Yes, it's time for America's least favorite podcast. Who loves you and who do you love? Oh, I see what you're doing. For a moment, I almost actually went... I, like, I almost got Phil Connard there for a second where I was like, wait, what? <laughs> didn't we just do this last week? Oh my god, yeah. Well, so. it's a good thing you didn't go along with the joke. That would have made too much sense. I, this just, well, I can't remember <laughs> what I said after that, because you did that, and then I was like... Because what you, you always do the intro, and then my... My my first comment is usually some kind of random shit. Like, <laughs> I'm not very good on following up on your cues, so it's always... Uh, and I love poop. And so, and so, yeah. so. I mean, if only you could have said something like, Wait, I feel like I've lived this day before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you had mentioned something about that before you hit the record button... No, prepared. I wanted to see what would happen. You know me, I am, I am terrible at improv. I am not very good with yes and <laughs> kind of shit like that. Um, hey, we're talking about Groundhog Day. We're talking about Groundhog Day. Uh, simultaneously, the most timely podcast we've ever done, and, and the least timely because, as we're recording this, this is it's February third, two thousand nineteen, mm. uh, which is you know the day that Phil Connor spends either depending on who you talk to, either ten years or twenty years or ten thousand years, uh, waiting to happen. Well, not specifically twenty nineteen, but February third. Um, but. Yes, I I wound up watching Groundhog's Day like two or three times in a row yesterday on Groundhog's Day, and mm. uh, which 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 means I, I like so as as recording this, it's super timely because it's essentially the Groundhog, you know, it's we're happening it as it happened, but as this episode goes live, it's gonna be like three days after Groundhog Day, and we'll I guess we'll find out if people care about listening to people talk about Groundhog's Day like five days after Groundhog's Day actually happened, which. Groundhog's Day is not so... I mean, the title is literally the name of a holiday, but it's not mm-hmm. so holly... You, you should be able to enjoy Groundhog's Day, like, in the middle of July or October. It should be like a Christmas movie where, like... Like, why would the hell would you watch, like, It's a Wonderful Life in the middle of June? Because it's... Well, well I mean, then again, Christmas... Uh, it's a Wonderful Life actually doesn't have that much actual Christmas content in it. But, like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't watch The Grinch in July. No. So hopefully people don't mind us talking about Phil Connors well, on, like, February 7th. I mean, it is also timely because there's a new video game coming out about <laughs> That's Groundhog's one of, one of the bonuses about recording the day after Groundhog's Day. Is is that actually out yet? I don't think so. I think they just announced it. Why the what's why would you actually speaking about like coming out with the Groundhog Striking while the iron is hot. That's like I if you're gonna announce it, release it on the if you're gonna announce a game like that on on Groundhog's Day and and now you gotta release it at the same time because like what are they gonna release it at E3 and like on June seventh we'll be able to play Groundhog's Day the the shitty video game VR sequel. The fuck? Unless they're just gonna wait until next year to actually release it, then why the fuck are they talking about it? I don't know. Mm. <sighs> also talk about something that no one asked for. This Leisure Suit Larry Jr. ass sequel yeah. to Groundhog. Uh, it's just... Especially, like, he wakes up and for some reason... I, uh, the, the trailer for that game first makes it... Because... It, it, <sighs> I got so many thoughts about Groundhog's Day, it's, it's hard to get them out. But, like, you, in that trailer, you wake up and you're, like, in the same room with the same alarm clock that Bill Murray wakes up in. But, the, like, you're supposed yeah. to be his kid. So does his kid live in the same room that Bill Murray stayed in for 10,000 years? With this still yeah, the he same stayed room? in the same bed and breakfast. I mean, I get why they did that, but it's just... <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. 
Anyway, it's the movie. It's a canonical. That's today. what I'm worried about. Yeah. <laughs> if you talk to Harold Ramis, Harold Ramis is gonna be from the grave. He's gonna like, yeah, I guess, I whatever, yeah. Sure, why not? And we're not we're not talking about the Groundhog Day. Where are you going? We're talking about the movie, uh, the 1993 comedy, yeah. Uh, yeah. written and directed by Harold Ramis, starring Bill Murray. Um, yeah. What What's your history with Groundhog Day? Uh, I think I saw it once when it after it came out on home video. Oh yeah, I saw, maybe once or twice. I remember more of it than I would think if I only saw it once. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I, it kind of bounced off me when I watched it back in the day. But I liked it a lot more this time than I did. Well, I can see that it's kind of such a quiet little movie, and it helps if you sit down. I mean, and I would I would have been like fourteen or fifteen when I saw it last. Oh yeah, so. that too. And um, that's not really the best age to watch something so. Uh, Whatever the fuck this is. Kind of philosophical. However you want to call it. I mean, it's it, a funny yeah. comedy. There's funny things that, that happen that in it that you could laugh at, yeah. even without the context of what's going on. But, yeah, if you're going to sit down and watch the whole thing and really get the whole uh, dramatic punch of the movie, I think it helps to be a little bit older and kind of ready for kind of like slightly philosophical movie, which I guess is part of the reason why I guess Bill Murray and Harold Ramis had a split while making this movie. I guess Bill Murray is pushing to make it more philosophical and Harold Ramis just wanted to make comedy just based on the premise of the, the, the day keeps on repeating, but Bill Murray wanted to have a story that meant something more that wasn't just an excuse for jokes. Um, yeah. And I guess it's a riff that caused them to not talk to each other until uh, Harold Ramis was on his deathbed like 30 years later. Which is like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? argument did they have because fuck um i guess this is the second movie uh written and directed by harold ramus starring bill murray that we've talked about because i guess harold ramus i forgot that harold ramus had directed caddyshack which we did yeah. was it like last summer uh yeah i think so yeah this is Sounds definitely better right. than caddyshack um i think harold ramus did harold ramus also directs i think harold ramus may have directed uh stripes too I'm assuming so. Have you seen Stripes? No. Yeah, we've talked about maybe doing that on the podcast once or twice, but it's not very good. There's funny bits in it, but yeah, it's not that hot. But yeah, the whole reason I chose this movie, aside from the relative timeliness, is because uh, I've been reading through it. There's an old uh, Minky Ghostbusters, but I just woke up, Making Ghostbusters book. Uh, which has loads of commentary from Harold Ramis about working with Bill Murray, uh, which is especially interesting. Uh, there's a bit where Harold Ramis, who he played Egon in Ghostbusters and co-wrote the script with Dan Aykroyd uh, uh, for Ghostbusters, not not Groundhog's Day, but uh, Harold Ramis prides himself on being an especially good writer for Bill Murray uh, because he can write how Bill Murray talks and understands how Bill Murray thinks and processes information the uh, how Bill Murray pulls in all kinds of sort uh, sorts of random references in an abstract way, even when Murray is supposed to be playing an idiot, and it's kind of interesting to see someone say, "Oh yeah, I'm, I think I'm the best writer for Bill Murray because I know how he thinks," and you can kind of see that because like Harold Ramis between this and Ghostbusters, probably the two best Bill Murray projects out there. And it's doubly sad to see that they got no fight about this movie and never talked again. I mean, even aside, I know pe- most people would lament the fact that this means that we never got Ghostbusters 3. Which, fuck that shit. Yeah. Ghostbusters 3 was never going to be any good anyway. But the fact that they no. didn't do anything again after this, like regardless of what it would have been, is kind of a shame. It's it's a real bummer. Yeah. Especially, like, I guess after this. I mean, Bill Murray kept on making movies, but 
he kind of fell into obscurity until I guess Rushmore came out, and that was kind of the start of like the Bill Murray Renaissance. And it's it's funny to think Rushmore is twenty years ago now too. Um, mm. But yeah, and also <laughs> I caught a little bit, you know, because Groundhog's Day was uh, coming up uh, on cable. They were showing it. And that's when I caught a big uh, chunk of it, and well, that's what convinced me to talk about the movie this year. I don't know how I avoided. I had seen bits and pieces of this movie over the years, but never seen. I'd I'd never seen the vast majority of it, but I mm-hmm. did catch the beginning on cable, and seeing the news van drive through the hills of uh, Pennsylvania gave me flashbacks to my family driving for hours to attend maple festivals and pumpkin festivals and cartoonishly perfect small towns just like Punxsutawney, uh, uh, Punxsutawney in this movie because I grew up in Pittsburgh, and so I was like, oh my god, and just like, mm-hmm. which is funny because I, I I know all the Punxsutawney stuff in this movie was actually filmed in Illinois, uh. Although they did seem to have actually sent a truck driving from Pittsburgh towards Punxsutawney for the establishing shots of it driving to the town. Uh, because we uh, see it driving through what seems to be Latrobe, which was where Mr. Rogers is from. And I just, yeah, I don't know, just a little blast from the past. Like, especially <laughs> the start of the movie. I guess we're, we're talking about the movie now. That's the fine. movie, uh, I well, a couple minutes in you see... Uh, the news van driving from uh, downtown Pittsburgh out into the boondocks. But as it's driving from downtown Pittsburgh, you see it driving past this building with a bunch of yellow uh, trucks in the parking lot. I worked for five years in that building with those yellow trucks. Uh, that oh used my to gosh. be the. Pit- You're basically in the movie. Then. I know, except I didn't work there until after a decade of the events of this film. Yeah, uh, for five years I worked at the midnight shift, shift at that newspaper uh, uh, place. Uh, all those yellow trucks or uh, newspaper delivery trucks. And yeah, I was like, oh my god, they're like driving past my old workplace and just blah, blah, blah. So part of me, like, <laughs> even though this movie has nothing to really do with Pittsburgh, that got me kind of like nope. sentimental and shit like that. So anyway, so Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah. I didn't do my usual note taking because it would be impossible with this. Well, movie. You, we, and then yeah. it just would be one big. Then that scene happened, and <laughs> that scene happened, and then that scene happened, and then that scene happened. Did you take much notes at all? Then I took three pages. Oh, okay, uh, I organized a little my, less than half. I, I took I took more than my average amount of notes, but not too many. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, this is something I suggest uh, suggested you do. It's interesting to look at this movie, like, if you're trying to write notes about the movie, to just categorize all your thoughts through uh, Phil Connors' emotional arc throughout the film. And that Mm kind of makes it more clear as to, like, if you're going to sit down and break the movie down into, into, like, specific acts and stuff like that, that makes it a lot easier to understand. Okay, he's going through this phase, he's going through that phase. Like, maybe not necessarily the five phases of, of grief, but... Yeah. It's a very tightly written film. It is, yeah. And it's... Uh, especially with I feel all like the recycled they, they stumble bits. a couple times. Uh, they stumble a couple times on his emotional journey. Like, I'm, it, I, like, it wasn't clear on if he was trying to win over Rita because he liked her or if because he was just trying to make conquests, through, conquests throughout the town. Yeah. And I do appreciate the fact the film never really explicitly clarifies some bits like that. It can mm-hmm. be like, especially when he freaks out at the end, like not freaks out, but when he finally breaks and starts doing good stuff. The movie never really explicitly states like he thinks he's doing this because he thinks this will be the thing that gets him out of the loop. He just starts doing yeah. it, 
and it's up to you to decide whether or not he's he's doing it just because he's actually grown which i i would assume that's the point of that but or oh, yeah yeah he's just gaming in the system he, or, 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 you, or you can uh, yeah you can read it as him just having learned to actually really game the system for real but i mean that's the more cynical approach to this to the ending of the movie which is a little bit more of a bummer but anyway yeah bill murray he's a uh weatherman at wp ppbg something in, in, in channel nine in ppb butter and jelly yeah which is obviously supposed to be wpgh channel 53 in pittsburgh but obviously, obviously. Like, channel 53 is the old uhf station where i used to watch uh, uh wpgh in pittsburgh is what supplied 10-year-old Bill his steady diet of Voltron and G.I. Joe and Transformers cartoons mm. when I was 10 years old. But I... I yeah. yeah, so that got me together. And I'm, it's not quite the same <laughs> station, but it's, it's trying to be. I and, But he's playing a, a real asshole. But I guess in the... <laughs> I guess not in the fun way he usually plays assholes. You think? It's the exact same Bill Murray, but this time instead of people finding him charming in his assholishness, they don't like his assholishness. Yeah, I guess it is kind of random as to what, because if this were a Ghostbusters movie, everyone would be like, oh, you, Peter Beckman. And this one's like, oh, fuck you, Connors. Well, that's the thing. Bill Murray only has, like, one mode, and it's Bill Murray. So, yeah, I guess you kind of have to tailor everyone else's uh uh relationship to him d- depending on the project yeah um, he also calls it i i found it interesting the best insult he could come up with his anchor lady was hairdo yeah well it's, i think it's <laughs> one of those things where he's supposed to be a jerk but he's not supposed to be a, a scorching asshole and mm. i mean he's got to work with these people so he can't just be like hey what's up fuck face I mean, I guess yeah. in entertainment you could be. If, if 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 we're learning anything more and more all the time from the entertainment industry, it pays to be a fucker. But yeah, I although then again, he is. It is just a shitty fucking TV station, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, of all things. So, I mean, I guess it's not like if he if he burns down this job, it's not like he has that many other options. Which also makes the ending of this movie even more ridiculous. Where I'm like, okay, if these guys are gonna move to Punxsutawney, like, what are they gonna do? What what are the jobs gonna be? They're not qualified for anything in that town. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rita is his producer. Larry's his cameraman. Yeah, cabin boy himself. Yeah. She, uh, they drive to to, to where the Groundhog Festival is. Well, now Bill I'm going to freak out for five minutes about every house they try to drive past. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't stay in the same hotels and he stays at a bed and breakfast because, and he calls himself the talent. Oh yeah, and even even Cabin Boy's all like, yeah, he, he uh, pokes fun of that. I do like. What do you think of Andy McDowell in this movie? She's good in this movie. Um, I do like how they set up her like when when in the in the, in the drive up they're kind of setting up what what I think is kind of the central theme of the movie is Bill Murray versus sincerity because this whole mm-hmm. town everyone in it is nothing but sincere, but Bill Murray's always got to be at like this like you know like snot snotty distance from everybody. And in the drive up, Andy McDowell's all like, you know, she's like, oh, I love little, little groundhog and way he crinkles his nose. And he's just looking at her like she's fucking crazy. And he's just like, fuck you, get out of here. And so, yeah, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. But, you know. Yeah. Um, every morning, his alarm goes off. Well, not every morning. This morning, his alarm goes off at 6 a.m. And it's Sonny and Cher singing I Got You, Babe. Mm-hmm. And the people on the radio are your typical... 90s douchebag really? DJs. What? Well, <laughs> I mean that is contractually obligated zoo morning zoo review kind of guys. Yeah. Yeah. Weather reports are calling for a blizzard, but everybody 
but he thinks he's going to pass over the area a little bit of the east or some shit. Yeah. I forgot because uh, he's a weatherman. He's kind of commenting on, on their weather predictions and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Houndtown. He runs into various people. Ned Ryerson. Uh, he did the whistle, belly button whistling trick in, in high school. Bing. Um, yeah, Ned Ryerson's like really a, on. Yeah, he's got a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, you know, he... He goes through all these years and he winds up liking everybody, it seems like, even Ned. I feel like even if I spend however many years he's in this one day with all these people, I feel like there'd still be people like Ned where you're just like, I can't like you, it I is can't. On his next, what's what the movie kind of presents to be his next to last day in the loop, he comes up to Ned and kind of like out Ned's Ned by like grabbing onto him being like... Oh, wherever you're going, you should call off because I want to hang out with you all day. And Ned's like, eh. And although on the final day, we never see exactly like what he does with Ned uh, when he breaks out of the loop. But he does, at, like, regardless of how he treats Ned, he at least buys all the insurance from Ned. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe, like, there was a scene where he, like, rather than being snarky at him at all, he just, like, said, okay, fine, fuck it, whatever, as long as I'm talking, like, let's, like, like, him breaking the loop didn't require him to be nice to Ned, it just required him to buy, like, $50,000 worth of insurance from Ned, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think the moral of the story is supposed to be, you're supposed to be, like, like, cock slurpingly nice to everyone, but just be tolerant at least. So, yeah. I don't know if there really is a moral... Yeah, well, that's I one of the things that everyone talks about this movie because because you don't know what's going on or why you can kind of read what the moral is into the movie, mm -hmm. and so yeah, that that that's that's supposed to be one of the big benefits of this film is like, yeah, you can kind of whether or not it's about morality or what kind of morality you think it's preaching, you can kind of read into that and everyone. The movie becomes a personal thing for everybody. Yeah, the, the groundhog's got the same name as him. Yeah. They both named Phil. <laughs> Which I do like. Bill Murray's brother shows up later and, like, hey, hey, like the groundhog. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't his brother playing the mayor? Uh, well, no, he, uh, he's got two of his brothers. His brother, his older brother plays the mayor, and his younger oh. brother is the guy at the, he's the, the, the trucker at the, uh, the diner, who's all, who, every time the, the waiter drops the, dishes he's always along and saying good job boss boo, boo, boo. but he's the one who also like yeah yeah, yeah. bill murray's like oh your I, bus is leaving i did not know that yeah uh let's see there's a lot of yeah. murray brothers out there yeah, you can make there. you can make a whole production of groundhog day that stars nothing but bill murray and his brothers yeah. they do a good job of uh, setting this everything to follow up, like they can't get out of town because the blizzard does show up. Yeah. So, and the tunnel is blocked by like a semi that knife jacked over, jackknifed over, whatever. Um, this is okay. after like Jackknife. we see them do the news report at the like Punxsutawney Square with the groundhog yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm hmm. And they gotta go back to town, and he makes a phone call to find to find out that all the long distance phone lines are down as well, and. He gets hit in the head with a shovel just yeah. because it's funny. <laughs> uh, it's it's 
Oh yeah, I, I was trying to think of like what because Bill Murray like in this in succeeding days after the days start repeating, I know they're setting up the blizzard to make it sh make sure that Bill Murray always has to stay in Punxsutawney no matter uh, how many time loops he's subjected to. Although he could always just like leave before the blizzard starts. He could just skip. I'm sure that uh, I mean if he spent like ten thousand years or whatever in this time loop, I'm sure he's done this. But like he could have just skipped the whole Punxsutawney Square thing and just drove right right out of town immediately and. Gone, not even yeah, back to Pittsburgh, or even gone in the gone in the other direction. It's yeah. heading to. He could have driven wherever he, as far as he could have gotten, with by six a.m. the next morning, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so he's grumpy and he's a dick, uh, and he's also one of those weird people in movies that turn on the shower by when they're standing in it, yeah! so the, the water hits you right away. And he does this a couple more times in the time loops, and I'm like. No, that, you gotta like, see. I'm someone who takes scorchingly hot showers, and yeah, so I like to get that shit like boiling hot before I even step into it. And oh so, yeah, yeah. And that's what. Inside, if you if you stand inside the shower and turn it on so the cold water hits you, unless you take cold showers, and even then, yeah. you might be uh, some kind of alien or robot in disguise. <laughs> yeah, it's a good personality test. Uh, that's actually one of the more horrifying things after watching this movie a couple more times that sunk in. That I was like. This motherfucker didn't take a hot shower for God knows how many years. That's kind of horrifying. Oh, yeah. man. That's, that's, that's like, worse than... Uh, fuck not being loved or whatever. That That's, like, duh. And I'm guessing his body goes back to where it was every morning. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Even if he dies or anything, like, he totally resets, so... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that means Even he can never, some like, mornings he looks Some mornings he looks way more like shit than other mornings. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Which, I guess that's a little bit of dramatic license, but, yeah. Oh, can you imagine a, a, a jacked uh, Bill Murray just completely swole? <laughs> I don't want to see that. For some reason, <laughs> I'm picturing the lady interviewing the guy from the, the, the muscle-bound wrestler from, from WarioWare Wario Moves, and he's all glistening and like, oh, no. Especially if the rest mm -hmm. of his body looked like his face, <laughs> looked like a lumpy chin, looked like a fucking biscuit. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Oh, poor Bill Murray. I love you, Bill Murray. You're great. I don't, I don't mean to besmirch your looks. But he does not have, like, he has, like, weird scars and pumps and... Oh, my God. It's yeah. fascinating to see an HD close-up of Bill Murray's face. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so anyway, he wakes ne up the next morning. Yep, it's I Got You, Babe, again. This I, starts I, what I consider to be Chapter 1, the initial freakout. Everything up until now has been the prologue. Yeah. Hmm. This whole day. He's confused and mentions how they're playing the same thing from yesterday. Like, you guys are playing the reruns. Yeah, you guys yesterday. are playing the same tape, boys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he looks confused, though. Looks out the window. There's no blizzard. People talk to him in the same way. I do love that there's a fat guy in the stairwell right outside his front door where he grabs him, pushes against the wall, and calls, says, Don't mess with me, pork chop. And mm. when he's saying goodbye to the lady who owns the bed and breakfast, she asks him, What's today's forecast? Is he's like, uh, chance of departure is 80 percent, mm, 75, yeah. 80. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Mm -hmm. uh, he runs into Ned Ryerson again. Watch that first step as the doozy. Yeah. Does that a couple times, and he's got to head to Gobbler's Knob, which is where they're doing this. Yeah. I, that's a. That's, that's a, a real thing. Name. That's what it's called. Yeah. That's a terrible name. <laughs> Actually, I should have. In my notes, it's always Punxsutawney Square. I just should have remembered to call it go yeah, Gobbler's Knob. That, that, that's what happens when you let people from, like, 1847 name your shit. Well, I didn't know they named some place after my high school nickname. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> what is, is Wyndham your penis's name? Gobbler's knob. Well, that's yeah, just yeah, you. Yeah. That would be the knob know. of you, the gobbler. But yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, never I so, to it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Bill yeah, Murray. He just kind of. Yeah, he's all freaked got, out of Gobbler's knob. He just kind of treats it like deja vu. And it goes, goes through his day again. Even freezing his ass off in the shower again. Yeah. And he tries to talk to Rita about it, but Rita's all like, "What are you doing?" And so he kind of like goes through the the, the whole Punxsutawney Phil thing, and yeah, goes back yeah. home. It's interesting because I it, on, on the night of the second day, it's not even night. If you look at the clock, it's four or four. So either that's four or four four or four in the morning, which is unlikely because he's he has he's calling to talk to someone. I forget who he's talking to, but he's having a conversation with someone on the phone. So it's probably not four o'clock in the morning, which suggests that he's so freaked out about going up what's going on in the second day that he's forcing himself to go to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that's probably the pills he was taking. He was probably taking sleep. Exactly. Bed. Yeah, and he cracks he, and and he takes a pencil and cracks it in half and puts it on the bedstand just to see. Yep, in case things morning, reset the next morning. Sunny and Cher and um, the pencils back together, gulp. Yeah, I guess in the original screenplay, the idea was that he shaved his head at this point mm. and wakes up the next morning with his hair back and freaks out, which is a little extreme. And I can see why yeah. they just changed it to him just uh, breaking a pencil, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he talks to Rita about it. And he's very stressed. He fills her in, says he's laying in the same day over and over. She says he needs help because he's crazy. He gets his head checked out by a doctor, played by Harold Ramis. Yeah. Tells him, yeah, your head's fine. I don't know, maybe you need to shrink. So he talks to a marriage counselor, because that's all they got in that town. He's no help. And then that night he talks to the local drunks. Which, and, that's that's uh, one of the guys played by one of Bill Murray's brothers. Yeah, there's that guy, and the guy looks like Snowball from Clerks. So which one is his brother? They're both named Rick. Uh, <laughs> it's the guy yeah. without the hat. The guy who's talking about the half glass full, half glass empty. The guy who was in like tons of 80s stuff. Yeah, it's in, that like, guy, burbs. which I'm assuming. Yeah. You know what? I think that's a third. That's like a third brother. Yeah. They're, that's mm. the terrible thing. So you've got at least three Bill Murray brothers who were actors. And so it can be confusing, because, like, yeah, this guy, you know you've seen him in a thousand other things, but you can't Is remember he? exactly which, yeah. Hmm. Let okay. me, let me, I'm gonna look up Groundhog's Day cast, just to see which one he has, Groundhog's. I mean, they both have, they don't, neither one has a Murray last name. There's Brian Dool Murray. Uh, let's see. The Murray brothers. The Murray brothers. Why can't find the guy? It's the I don't know. Poo -poo. Above among his sibling actors, I'm looking at Bill Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, Joel Murray, and John Murray. Huh. I don't. None of that's. Uh... Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not a. a, a, a... Oh, that's, I forgot Michael Shannon's in this movie. Who? Oh no, that's not a Bill Murray. I didn't think so. Oh, that's the dude from the bur. Oh, that guy's dead. Yeah. Rick DeCocum. Dickum. Dickumumum. The Coco. The Coco Bimbum. Oh, the yeah. He puts a line in the Coco. Gremlins 2 and Sino Man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Little Monsters. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Rick DeCarkrum or whatever his name is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's only one uh, 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 Murray brother in this. My nope, condolences. There's two. Wait, who's the other one? <laughs> Brian Dolomori. No, but that's the second one. I mean, there's, I'm talking about a number of brothers aside from Bill Murray. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, so, okay. You, you don't count, Bill. Well, 
Well, he's been in so movies. I just, I just, I just, I maybe I just my my heart just considers Rick DeCocomum. Oh my god, mm. that name is like a fucking Star Wars character name. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, they're out drinking. Anyway, he... We will return after these messages. Time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Ned! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out. He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... <laughs> in Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Ned Ryerson? Bang! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Bill? What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. But now, we could do whatever we want. <laughs> He's discovering the possibilities. Don't you worry about cholesterol? Why? And living life mm. like there's Phil? no tomorrow. Phil Connors! Ned! Because... There isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. But to get what his heart wants most... What are you looking for, Phil? A date for the weekend? ...means living this day over again, <laughs> till he gets it right. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. <laughs> what a waste of time. I study 19th century French poetry. La fille qui You speak French. We. Oui. Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. To the groundhog. I always drink to world peace. Well, what should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Be okay. Yes! Life has a funny way of repeating itself. What did you do today? Oh, same old, same old. Yeah, the and they're too alley. drunk to drive. Yeah. So, so he drives. And it's his third day in this this shit, and he's already ready to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, just goes balls out and leads the police on a chase and everything. It would have taken me weeks to get comfortable enough to get to this point where I, I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no consequences. Yeah, I mean, it's All a dramatic right. shortcut. Yeah, shorthand, yeah. yeah. Um. Next day just starts up normal again, even though he got arrested and thrown in jail. This now is... he's stoked about it. This is I, I I do like when he's arrested though before the day resets when he asks the cop if it's too early for flapjacks when he treats him like it's a drive-through pancake shop which cracks me up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is what I consider to be the end of the initial freakout. Now it's chapter two. Phil decides to use the situation to his advantage, which you can mm-hmm. break down into two parts. Phil takes advantage of the town, and B, uh, Phil takes advantage of Rita. But first, he starts taking advantage of the town. 
Um, yeah. Well, it's also I, well, it, and also eating the food, all the food. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's interesting. This is the first morning where, where he actually wakes up in a celebratory mood because, like, you know, because he yeah, he avoided having to go to jail because of the time loop, and so this is yeah. he really he begins to realize how he can game the system with the time loop. Yeah, but punching that in the face. Yeah, punching that in the face. Yeah, this the famous scene where he meets uh, Rita at the diner and is just well, shoving food in his face like a motherfucker. Yeah, he drinks coffee straight from the diner's coffee pot which oh, would burn the fuck oh, out of his Jesus. throat maybe you specifically asked for like a lukewarm batch of coffee jesus christ oh my god because i that that shit is, uh, nope yeah but i do but love, he's, i mean he does cool it off with an entire donut yeah i do love him smoking Whoa. and yeah it's whatever don't what are the fucking pastry it is that he shoves in his mouth it's like a giant like oh it's a giant piece of cake that's what it is uh, mm. Angel food cake, yeah. <laughs> Just I can't believe you could squeeze the whole thing in there. Mm. Yeah. They don't call them gobbler snob for nothing. <laughs> the magic power everyone gets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then Rita, like she recites, she's so disgusted by him. She recites some bit of poetry about how, uh, from uh, uh, Francis Scott Key about how uh, people who gore themselves and are disgusting uh, jerks like uh, Bill Murray are never uh, loved or remembered by anyone. So. Mm. Uh, so, and then after they leave, uh, Rita and Larry, uh, he talks to a lady named Nancy and learns information about her, her name, where she grew up. Her, yeah, he her doesn't teacher. even really try to strike up a conversation as much as he just quizzes her about her past. And you're like, oh yeah. no, you can totally see what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Next day, he uses that information, like even saying, oh, "I asked you to prom. I sat behind you in this class because yeah, they're the same age." Yeah. I guess this is supposed was, to be... I was held back 10 grades. <laughs> it is a little weird because... And I guess she's supposed to be the quote-unquote hottest lady in town. Although we do see that he's in, in the very... He is fucking with another lady in, in a scene in the near future, but like... Yeah. You think he had sex with everyone in this town? I mean, there's no reason... He could have done it. And that's kind of the horrifying thing. Is that there's maybe like fucking vast swaths of truly nasty shit that Phil got up to that they couldn't put in this movie. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess when they were first writing this movie, there was a temptation to write a darker version where he was like running around, like killing people and actually causing like Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto style mayhem, like consistently. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, that's not funny. We'll just do like the light PG version of that. Where he's how just times, like, how many times do you think he took a dump at the Groundhog Festival? Just right <laughs> I'm sure at, at least a dozen times. <laughs> um, I guess the, the, they also turned this into a musical, and I guess in the musical version, uh, Phil, instead of kidnapping uh, Punxsutawney Phil and driving off a cliff, he just shows up with a gun, shoots Punxsutawney Phil, and then shoots himself in front of all the news crews. Mm. <laughs> Which is just Jesus. I can see why they had to change that. Cause really hard to do a decent car chase on a stage play, but like, yeah. <laughs> fucking Christ Almighty, yeah. Uh, then him and Nancy that night make out in front of a fire. Yeah, Nancy's. But the he calls her Rita yeah. because I guess he's already infatuated with her. But he recovers quickly by saying he loves her and he wants to marry her, which she's into because apparently she's crazy as shit. Yeah. And uh, and then that day's over. And then the next morning, he, it's the first suggestion that we've actually seen a little bit of a time skip because now Bill Murray's yeah. like watching a uh, money van, uh, a, a, a van that delivers money to the bank uh, show up. 
and Bill Murray is watching uh, it get unloaded uh, with the waitress from the diner. She's like uh, showing up and asking the the, the, the the security guards guarding the, the, the van for change and stuff. Because that's Murray, how they do. I, 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 it's a small town, and these two guards are like the fucking dad from Empty Nest. They're both like both like two 80 year old dudes and so i guess they would be chill enough just like hey here's some money and so bill murray has obviously been watching this enough that like he's he's managed to figure out okay there's gonna be a breeze a barking dog car and so he's obviously been here for a couple weeks or at least a couple couple more days that we haven't seen so far so this is when time starts to slip in terms of like we're not experiencing the movie in real time with phil anymore really and yeah, anyway I... but yeah he steals a bunch of money and then and nothing really comes of that, but a scene where he's dressed as a cowboy with a French, this... a, a lady in a French maid outfit to go see a movie. I, I guess just to show that he's having fun. I, yeah, I don't get this scene. At least maybe no. I get this more now after watching it a couple times. Because I guess so. I guess the insinuation is that he took all the money, like the, the fifty dollar bag of quarters that he stole from the money van, used it to like buy a rent like a Mercedes Benz. And I guess the only thing he could do with all that money and, and uh, is is just like get a stupid cowboy outfit and find a lady to dress like a French maid and go see Heidi too, which I'm assuming <laughs> is a movie that just made up for this uh, for this movie. Hey, and why wasn't it snowing that night? Uh, that's a good point, actually. I Shouldn't guess it been snowing. Also, if it's that cold, then man, this lady dressing a French maid outfit should be fucking freezing her tits off. And yeah. so yeah, I guess this is. I guess this is the movie's way of showing this is kind of the extent of what money and power can bring to fill inside this town. Mm. Um, and if this is it, man, this Punxsutawney is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. Oh, and so then we starts... see, as they're about to get into the movie, Nancy walks by and throws Phil a dirty look, which insinuates that unless she could remember the shit that's no, happened from different times. No, he just time says, was... hello... He's like, hi, Nancy. Then she looks at him like, I don't fucking know you. Oh, that's, that's what, I got what it is. That. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, and then he starts working on Rita. Yeah. And I, it, this is, it's unclear as if he's working on her because he wants the conquest or if he's he actually into her. I think it's a combination. I think he's also, he's bored, but also, like, I mean, especially that he slept with French maid lady, slept with Nancy. I, I'm assuming he's burned his way through the, the, the town's population. Retirement available home? Women. Oh. I mean, he could have, like, that's the thing, you never know. <laughs> this mm -hmm. movie could be every bit as dirty as you want it to be if you use your imagination. But yeah, this yeah. is kind of like, yeah, like I said, this is the 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 second half of Phil taking the advantage of uh, the town situation where, yeah, it's no longer the town, but he's fixated on Rita. Yeah. asking He asks her what kind of guy she wants. And he's, it's me. That's me. That's me, too. I'm really close. And then, uh... He starts to remember all the things she likes, what she drinks in the evening, a sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. Oh, yeah, this is when the movie starts skipping around within a scene. Well, it essentially shows yeah. multiple takes of the same event happening, which is pretty yeah. great. Yeah, she always toasts to world peace, so then he, the next day he does that. Yeah. No white chocolate. He does. She studied 19th century poetry, yeah. which she makes fun of, but the next time he's memorized some 19th century French poetry. I saw some people point out how this movie is a good representation of saves coming outside of a video game context, and that's actually a really mm. good point. That's, that's what he's yeah. slowly... And he's burning through so many days just to yeah. get through this one date with Rita. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. yeah. She wants kids, and they, there's a, they go outside, they have a snowball fight with, against kids. Yeah. 
It's very cute. Would, yeah. Yeah, but it would it would it would suck that if he is falling in love with her to fall in love with somebody over weeks, but every morning they hate your guts. Exactly. And you have to win them over and over and over again. Well, even if like eventually the movie gets to the point where he's uh, trying to teach himself stuff. And the fact that, like, every time he need, wants to get a, a, a lesson from the piano teacher, he has to go there, $1,000, kick the girl out. Or even if he just wants to get a book from the library, yeah. he's got to go over there, like, get, set up a, a library account, sign up, just just to read a, a couple more chapters on whatever book he wants to read. It was like, yeah. god damn, like, at least if he just wanted to learn information, he, he would have benefited greatly from this movie having to take place today where he could just lock himself in his room and just, like, read the internet all day if he wanted to. So at least if he just wanted to blow off some steam, but, yeah, the fact that mm -hmm. he has... To, and also, like, especially with something like these dates with Rita where he has to... It's like it's like the second stage of Battletoads, <laughs> where he has, like he's always gaining more information, but he still has to make sure he gets everything right to get up to that point. And the more information he he gets, and the more things he has to do right, the more he has to learn. And it's it's just constantly jumping hurdles to make sure this one day can keep on going right at the same time. And yeah, I do not envy. It's a miracle Phil even got this far with Rita. But yeah, yeah. Th uh, th they're having a relatively spawn. It seems like he set up the snowman uh, thing to charm her, uh, but like the rest of the date, like he does not expect the kids to show up with the and start a snowball fight. So they have this really fun, totally impromptu snowball fight, which is really charming. And and Bill Murray mm -hmm. and and Rita fall in the snow and they 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 snuggle and it's very cute. Yeah, and um, he gets close to winning her over, but fails. Yeah. And uh, he takes he her does back come to his on way place. too strong. Where he's like, "I love you," and yeah. she's like, "You don't even know me." And My, he's like, yeah, I do. This, I'm totally getting in 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 the mood for love <laughs> moment here. This feels weekly in the mood for love <laughs> fixation on random topics of the week mm. moment for Bill. Uh, my favorite moment in the whole movie is when they go back to his place, and his place is just being the room at the bed and breakfast, and she's getting a lay of the land of his little uh, room. There's a moment mm -hmm. where they twinkle fingers together. Uh, like, like, Bill Murray is kind of slightly going for her hand, and they kind of intertwine fingers, and it's totally subtle. I don't know if that was intentional or totally accident thing. You would never notice unless you've seen this movie a thousand times, but I noticed on my second viewing. But yeah, the briefest mm. just brushing fingers with like, kind of twinkle fingers together. I just fucking love that. It's just a great little bit of chemistry. Uh, but mm. yeah, uh, the, the date goes... He's so close to reeling her in, but then he gets Goonie at the last second and that totally throws her off and then she realizes that he's been gaming the system and she freaks out and runs and it's kind well, of no she slaps him in the face and says that's for making me care about you yeah and it's kind of a shame because this is the first moment of real sincerity bill murray has had in the movie where he says i love you i don't think he's actually in love with her i think he's in love with the idea of conquesting her and stuff like that but he is mm. being honest but he doesn't realize that because she doesn't have the same perspective that he does where he's been trying to woo her for god knows it's probably been a month if not years now of days yeah. like she he, he forgets that they've only known each other for less than a well maybe longer because i'm assuming they've worked at the new but like they've only been together like this for only a couple hours where to him you know it's been god knows months or years and so yeah he shows yeah. his hand too much and she free like yeah she does slap him but then she leaves and yeah he, he's yeah and this the, the snowball fight's a bit more manic next time <laughs> yeah it's i i post about this on twitter it's bill murray because bill murray can anticipate the snowball fight 
He he's so like, oh no, a snowball fight. What do we have here? He's so fake about it, and. The fact that it's not a impromptu and sincere also ruins the date, because then, like, Andy McDowell falls in the snow, and then Bill Murray kind of, like, falls in the snow with her, but it's all, like, he's all panting and humpy about it. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, what is happening? This is totally weird. And I do love the thin line between Bill Murray's, like, acting natural in these scenes and when he's trying to do this, repeat the same thing, repeat the same scene, anticipating knowing what's going to happen. He's so much slightly goonier. Uh, yeah. He says gosh and golly a whole lot more. And yeah, th this and this breaks into a whole montage of him just, we don't know what he's been doing in all these other future loops, but he keeps on fucking things up with Rita. No matter how close he gets, things fall eventually fall apart, and it's kind of killing yeah. him inside. Gets him a lot of slaps in the face. A montage of slaps in the face. Yeah. <sighs> he is depressed and looks like shit now. Uh, I do like the the. It's only they only use it for one shot, but that shot of the giant alarm clock. Oh, the yeah, the fucking like the giant flake. What's the dial-in for murder phone? Was that what that <laughs> the, was? Yeah, the the giant stupid foam finger they came in and dialed. <laughs> this is kind of this movie's equivalent of that, where I'm assuming they must have had to have built like a giant face of his clock. Just to show yeah. the numbers uh, switching over from five uh, five fifty nine to six o'clock, it's fucking fantastic. And this starts what I consider to be chapter three, Phil's blue screen of death, where he just like he's just totally depressed now because uh, his 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 attempts to use the uh, time loop to his advantage, both with the town and, and with uh, Rita, have completely failed. And now he mm. realizes what kind of a jail he's stuck in that he can't escape. And then yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if everything else else happens in one day, but he shows up at uh, Gobbler's Knob just looking like he's got this thousand yard stare, and it's just fucking great. And Rita's well, like, "What are you doing?" And he's just like, he, "He probably also has PTSD from hearing that damn Sonny and Cher song well, exactly. so many times." This is the part. If this were anything realistic, he would actually be losing his mind at this point right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. He think he's he's crazy now and thinks he has to stop that groundhog. The yeah. groundhog must be doing it. So he kidnaps hognaps him. Sorry, <laughs> oh, he goes naps. for for a chase around town with the groundhog in his lap, yeah. telling the groundhog not to drive angry. Don't drive angry. Yeah. Check your corners and your mirrors. That's that. that's that's some great improv. Uh, I guess <laughs> the production went out of their way to have like a groundhog breeder breed for them what was supposed to be a super a docile. Uh, groundhog just for this sequence uh, but it mm -hmm. turns out you can't breed a docile groundhog <laughs> and so the groundhog was obviously like it's it's behind the wheel of are a... you trying to say docile docile yeah what I say no docile docile what I say I said docile you're saying docile 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 domestication you say domestic not domestic <laughs> but it's supposed to be a chill groundhog he's not a groundhog got no chill <laughs> mm -hmm. It's in a car on a moving vehicle with Bill Murray, and so it, like I guess it like was kind of very bitey and stuff like that. But Bill Murray still does. I, I guess the whole dri don't drive angry thing is an improv thing because the groundhog was so agitated and stuff. He's just start riffing on it and stuff. And like I do love mm -hmm. to check your corners, check your corners. Uh, even before the chase, I love when he comes up to Rita at Gobbler's Knob and he's like, "I've come to the end of me, Rita." Which that's just a great way to tell anyone that you're just fed up with everything i've come to the end of me but anyway a big chase yeah mm -hmm. he goes to a quarry quarry 
and plunges off the side of a cliff. Yeah. And Larry's a cold-blooded motherfucker because he's just like, he might be okay. And then the car explodes and he's like, oh, probably not now. Yeah, that's the I big... I guess Larry's seen some shit. Even, I, I never saw the movie up until now, but I remember back in the day when the trailers for this movie came out, that was like the big punchline from the trailers was was the explosion of the car and, and Larry's reaction. Uh, if you take, a, actually, if you look very carefully in the reflection of Larry's camera, you can see it's actually not an explosion that's casting light on him and Rita, but a bunch of glowing uh, light bulbs right off camera. Boop, boop, boop. Um, Amazing. And also, I do love when the truck chase, chase starts. Yeah. You can totally, if you're really looking at the car, you can totally see it's like professional driver with like a sock puppet groundhog in his lap. It's obviously yeah. not fucking Bill Murray, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 but it's, alas, yeah. killing himself and Phil didn't work. It's also so a good way to actually work in the groundhog. I mean, for a movie mm. called Groundhog Day, it's also a cute way to actually get the groundhog actually involved in the action, even if he just ends up dead at the end. But yeah. Yeah. I do uh, love when Bill Murray wakes up him. the next morning. He's just like, ah, nuts. When he realizes yeah. that he, yeah, suicide's not going to work. He doesn't want to live that day either. <laughs> Why go through another cycle? So he just grabs the toaster and just pushes it into bath. <laughs> he never even changes out of pajamas. It's great, yeah. Yeah. He steps in front of a van, jumps off a building, which changes him into a younger, more in shape man as he falls through the sky. Yeah, he, t he turns into a guy with a completely different hairline. <laughs> he doesn't mm -hmm. have the widow's peak receding hairline. Uh, did we skip past the part where like he's watching Jeopardy with the old folks, with a, with a bottle I, of Jim I, I Beam? I didn't write. Like I said, I didn't do beat for beat. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite bits where he's like staring them down while watching Jeopardy. It's fucking great. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's just going. This is just the yeah, the suicide montage essentially. Yeah. Uh, and re also this this leads to my what my my freakiest part of the movie is. After he throws himself off the clock tower, we get to mm -hmm. see the one moment in the movie that is not presented from Phil's perspective, at least while he's stuck in the time loop, where, yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, Larry and Rita visit, they have to identify Phil's corpse, the morgue, which freaks me out because it's taking place, like I said, it's taking place outside of Bill Murray's perspective for the only yeah. time in the whole film. And does this suggest that no matter what Phil does, the rest of the world continues on until 6 a.m. the next morning? Because everything yeah, we've seen that's... up until now suggests the entire world cuts cuts short and resets the moment he dies. But maybe not. Yeah, my my note was uh, it, it's it's the day that's cursed, and he's just unlucky enough to know it. Yeah, that actually that's kind of interesting to think too, huh? Yeah, Ugh. that's even more hey. kind of harrowing. Like maybe everybody's living the same day over and over again. They just weren't. They just don't know. Lucky it. or unlucky enough to realize it? Huh. That would be. I guess this this also brings up an interesting thing. I guess one of the earlier drafts of the screenplay, the they, uh, fucking Rita is supposed to be stuck on her own loop, which I don't know how the hell mm. that would work because it's already confusing enough, potentially confusing enough with Phil on his own loop. Like if you work yeah. in other people, unless she's like, unless she's living those days with her all the time, like they're living together. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's yeah. So he at, at the diner, he tells Rita he's a god. Oh not yeah, a god, but a god. Yeah, that's what. He, that's another one of her lines in the movie. Not the god, a god. And he, he also talks Rita, about later about how a god's not not an omniscient. He's just been around that he just knows everything. Yeah. Yeah, because he tells her about how everybody at the diner and what that their name is and where they're from and all that their hopes and dreams and all that shit. She says, maybe it's not a curse. Maybe she would like to have a thousand days to relive over and over again. She'd do some really cool shit, yo. Yeah. 
Oh, this is, I, I labeled this chapter four catharsis slash confession because this starts the one day where uh, Phil just, co just comes clean with her and just like, yeah, uh, at the diner and throughout the rest of the day, he's just explaining to her like, yeah, this is the situation. And he actually wins her over. He actually does get her to, she still seems to be a little skeptic because this is a hell of a lot of shit to lay on someone out from out of the blue, but she is, I mean, she, mm -hmm. she does stay with him for the rest of the day to see what's going to yeah. happen to him. It's, it's, yeah, I give Rita props. Yeah, she falls asleep at 3 a.m. so he can say how much he likes her. <laughs> I do like there's a moment where they're hanging out, yeah. Uh, well, this suggests that there has been a lot of time that has passed because uh, Phil's trying to teach her how to throw cards into a hat, and he mentions how it can take, from his experience, it could take years to uh, master any kind of trick like that. So I guess he's been in, in, in the loops for at least a couple years uh, at this point. And uh, <laughs> they're talking, and she suddenly sees the clock switch over to midnight, and she hits him, and she's like, "What are you doing here? Like, we we did it. Like, you're still here." And he's like, "I didn't. I say things reset. I didn't say they reset at midnight." And she's like, "You knew. I thought it was midnight. That's the only reason I came up here." And he's all like, "Boo!" And like, they have a cute little, yeah. I, I love their interaction there. But yeah, then she falls asleep. Mm -hmm. Oh, she falls asleep while he's reading poetry to her. Uh, one of the yeah. few making of notes that I saw about this, this is inspired by, this is what happened on Bill Murray's wedding night. I guess he mm. fell asleep while, uh, hers, his wife fell asleep while reading poetry to her. And so, he, like, this is a little nod to that, which I think was very cute. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh... Sorry, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. No, it's fine. Yeah. Otherwise, this would be like a half an hour podcast. Because, yeah. like I said, we're already I'm actually through just... most of the movie. Actually, yeah, I'm I'm almost done with my notes. Uh, Six a.m. starts like always. Yeah, but now he's gonna be a new man. This he is a homeless man. Yeah, chapter five. Money, nothing left to lose, as I call it. Yeah, and buys his coworkers coffee and pastries. He's being a real nice guy now. Yeah, he's reading more, educating himself, taking piano lessons. Learning how to carve ice with a chainsaw. Yeah. Hugging Ned, freaking him out because Ned got a real raging boner over it. Um, it is, we, yeah, we touched upon this at the beginning, but it is interesting, depending on your own personality, to decide whether or not this is actually Phil uh, learning to improve himself and improve the world around him because he's literally just has nothing else to do because, you know, obviously everything else he's literally tried to do has not worked out. Or yeah. if... I've seen some people suggest that this is him just, like, he's finally given up and he's still gaming the system. I guess in the end, the result is the same, does, doesn't really matter, but I think the movie is just trying to say that, like, he's... And I'll actually, like, the, the, the thesis of the film, I don't, the whole genesis I don't, of the, the film is, like, I'll talk about this at the end, but, like, is supposed to be suggesting that, like, a human being, given an infinite amount of time, has no choice to, but to improve themselves, because what else are you going to do? I don't think he's trying to gain the Simpsons anymore because he wouldn't care about the old man. Exactly. The old and man. I made a note of that. I was kind of wondering how much Phil sees himself in the old homeless guy because, like Phil, the old homeless guy is a cast-off on the fringes of society who everyone has been ignoring and has been suffering in silence and whose death proves to Phil that even in the time loop, some things can't be changed. And so Phil yeah. finally learns to accept that even, uh, yeah, even with all this, like, infinite time and power and everything he, he can do like he, he just some things he just has to resign himself to and also this is like this is like a complete act of sincerity him trying to save the old guy and like there's not you can't even pretend there's any like benefit to this happening or anything yeah yeah takes the old man to the hospital but he dies there because he's just old 
spends time feeding him, tries to keep him alive constantly, but it never works. I do th think it's interesting with the first time uh, he takes him to the hospital and the old man dies. Uh, he's just Phil keeps on insisting on seeing the, the, the guy's chart. And I wonder if that means... Uh, just so he can see what the chart is, so he can get the, what the, the cause of death was, so he can more easily in the future figure out how to prevent it. Or, <laughs> if he spent enough time in the time loop, he's actually learned some medical science, and he thinks he could actually, like, read the chart better. Could be a combination of both. Um, but yeah. yeah. Also, when he goes to the hospital for the first time to, to and finds out that the old man is dead, you see mm -hmm. in the background there's a kid in an orange jacket with a broken leg, which will become a thing in just about five minutes. Mm. Yeah, and so then so starts chapter well, six, the final chapter, what I call the upswing and out. So now he's so good at his job, even other news stations is... are using their microphone to record his speech about the groundhog. Yeah, day. we don't see the, the, the uh, this until the end of it, but like, wait, whatever speech he was making to Larry's camera was so good that the entire Gobbler's Knob Square has turned its attention fully on him, and he's delivering what actually sounds like a pretty great speech. He's obviously quoting something. Uh, God knows it's probably Sir Walter Scott, but like, yeah, this long and lustrous winter, and everyone's just totally in love with Phil. It's fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. yeah. He runs around town doing errands, catching falling children. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that this whole last day we see is almost comprised almost entirely of things we haven't seen before, suggesting that yeah. like Phil really has grown off camera. That like he's just familiar with all this stuff that like like this kid who falls out of the tree, which was just set up five minutes earlier. Because you see this kid with a broken leg early in the hospital because in that day Phil wasn't around to save the kid. He was wor worried about the homeless guy. And so, yeah, and Phil doesn't know it, but this is the start of his last day in the loop. Yeah. Changing tires on old ladies' cars who get flats, giving Heimlich maneuvers to the mayor, playing the piano at a Groundhog Day party, amazing Rita. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great, if I were a magician, that's a great name, but the amazing Rita. But yeah, he's, mm. he's playing at this, this, this Roadhouse Blues Band at the, like, the Punxsutawney Phil Banquet. Uh, Larry's mm -hmm. trying to mack on Nancy, the, 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 the hot snow bunny from earlier in the film. Uh, yeah. Rita watches Bill Murray play the keyboard. He's doing the craft macaroni and she's blues and she's all getting wet. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. He dances with Rita and people come up thanking him for all the shit he's done. Yeah. The old ladies say he's the fastest Jack in all of Jefferson County. <laughs> it's a little Dude, more Phrasing. Phrasing. Here. Phrasing. Uh, Michael Shannon and his newlywed wife come up and thank Phil for the WrestleMania tickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kind of, yeah. Um, mm. They I have a bachelor auction where Phil gets uh, quite the bidding. Ladies what? go crazy for that taste of Phil. What Groundhog's Day tradition is this? There's a fucking bachelor auction at the end of it. That you can do anything you want once you buy. I know, mm -hmm. it's kind of saucy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ladies go crazy, but Rita bids $359.88 on him. Yeah, presumably what whatever's her left purse. in her checking account, yeah. Yeah. Larry gets on stage. Uh, he gets two bits <laughs> bid on him. I didn't realize two bits was that actual quantifiable amount of money, especially in America. Yeah. You think that's like something from Dickens' age. Um, mm -hmm. And also, what do they do? Do they put extra makeup on fucking Cabin Boy to make him look like a Tim Burton character? Because he looks extra deathly <laughs> when he's up on stage. It could just be the lighting, too. And I know, like, you know, Chris Elliott's just probably sticking his gut out just to look extra unappealing as possible. But, like, yeah, he looks like a fucking... He looks worse than Phil did as a corpse earlier in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Phil sculpts Rita's face out of snow, and he, he's just so good at he knows her face, and he knows no matter what happens tomorrow or for the rest of his life, he's happy right now. I do like the joke about how we gotta get some cherry syrup and <laughs> dump it on it so we can eat it. Um... Mm. And so, yeah, the, Phil and Rita, they gush at each other, and they kiss, and they both admit admit to each other that no matter what happens, they're happy now, just, yeah, just like you said. Um, yeah. It's funny, because the moment they kiss there, it starts to snow, which, you've never seen It's a Wonderful Life? I've seen it. Um, in A Wonderful Life, uh, when George Bailey, uh, at the end of that movie, uh, George Bailey being the main character played by What's-His-Face, um, when he breaks out of the, the time loop, when he essentially prays to God to, bring, to set his life back to normal, that he wants his wonderful life back, uh, essentially mm-hmm. when the time loop uh, in that movie restores, it starts to snow to signify like you know real life is kicked in as normal. That's exactly what happens here, too, and I'm wondering if that's an intentional uh, thing, that like the moment they kiss, the snow starts to fall. Phil doesn't know it yet. He doesn't know until he wakes up the next morning, but I think... T- I, I'm interpreting it as time is actually already resumed right now. Like, if he mm. had shot himself right now, he would have been permanently dead, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd have been fun. I'm happy right now. <laughs> I can't Gosh. stand it, yeah. Well, especially if he... If there's any chance he knows he could still reset the next morning, he can't tolerate... Well, I guess it doesn't matter, because, yeah, in this movie, if he kills himself, it's gonna reset anyway, but... Um... Yeah, and it's cute juke out. Uh, yeah, next it, day it's I got you, babe, again, and the DJs are like, "Oh, not that song again," which is something a DJ has never said in the history of ever. Exactly, because their whole job is about playing the same song over and over again. Mm-hmm. It is kind of. I guess they started off at a different part of the song, which yeah. so if you're paying attention, you might realize that it's uh, something actually has changed even before the DJs interrupt. But yeah, yeah, uh, he's baffled. Things are different. She's in bed with him. Anything different is good. Uh, he's she's he's confused why she's there. She's told him to stay, so she's dead. He runs yeah. it, now. The outside of the world is all snow, although it just snowed it over. I do love it's, him running to the window, and like when he turns around, I appreciate Bill and Murray not being kind of like jump up and down happy, but he's just so much like a little kid who's seen snow for the first time. He's just so like, oh my god! He hops back into bed with Rita, and he's all gosh, all golly, old mm. G. Yeah, it's very today cute. is tomorrow. Oh. And and now uh, he has to spend the rest of his life living in con- a state of constant fear that every time he goes to bed he's gonna wake up and it's gonna be Groundhog That's Day again. That's the thing, because if you did a sequel to this movie, you'd have to deal with the PTSD. I mean, I I know he's happy to like get out of this time loop, but like Jesus Christ, you would be. F- f- I th- th- this is one way to get very YouTube about the situation, but yeah, he would be so fundamentally screwed up. Like he would never be able to wake again. He would be totally like. Like just drinking coffee and and just, yeah. just he'd never want to go fall asleep again. He'd be like a fucking Freddy Krueger victim. Uh, yeah. And I uh, yeah, it's it's funny because then uh, uh, Phil and Rita run out and they're like, oh let's yeah let's live our rest of our lives here. And Which I would want to get the fuck out of that town. That's the thing for two people whose only skills are being a television weatherman and being a te- television weatherman news producer. I mean, I guess maybe there could be a small, like, local TV station in Punxsutawney that they could take over or something like that. And I guess, you know, part of the, the, the point of the film is that, like, you know, they could get rid of their old lives and, you know, become an essential fabric to this new community. But still, it's so, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess there was a new job opening for the hobo at the street corner that they could fill if they really had to. But Aww. I mean, I think Phil would be the ultimate mayor of this town, though, considering he literally knows everyone in this town inside and out. 
almost literally, almost physically, um, that, like, yeah, like, he would really be good at addressing everyone's problems because he would know this town better than any other po human being possibly could, so maybe he'll enter politics. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. But, so, yeah, that's that's actually, that's that's Groundhog's Day. That's mm. the whole Sheboygan. Actually, for a movie that I thought we could spend three hours talking about, we just burned through that in less than an hour. Well, we would have if we had if I had written down every scene, but yeah, well, that's a good point. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah, the the original story idea was to explore whether or not people can be made to naturally evolve and change for the better when forced to endure an infinite amount of time. And mm -hmm. which, yeah, it's a pretty philosophical idea to to base a whole movie like this around. But yeah, they really. This movie is exceedingly clever in its construction and still entertaining while still keeping that philosophical bent. And it is fascinating. It would be fascinating to see exactly what the argument between Bill Murray and Harold Ramos was that just essentially destroyed their friendship over this goddamn movie. Unless there was something else going on and they don't want to talk about it. but Which, that would be understandable too. But That is Groundhog, the motion picture. Groundhog, the motion picture. Oh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, that is... I'm glad to, to have finally seen that whole thing. It's very cute. Aside from me just gushing over all the Pennsylvania stuff. and It's always good to see another good Bill Murray uh, comedy. Um, there's not enough yeah, of those. I, I, I remember not caring much for it when I saw it back in the day, like I said, but it's, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, it, it, it moves really well. The pacing is... is very impressive. And even from a production standpoint, I wish someone had like a Making Groundhog Day book. Because I can't imagine... From a production perspective, like, if you're the script person or the continuity person trying to keep track, like, what shorthand did they use when filming this movie? Because presumably they would film, like, all the Gobbler's Knob scenes in a row. They probably spent a week just doing the Gobbler's Knob scenes. But then, like, do you tell Bill Murray, okay, okay, like, first it's easy because, like, okay, this is when Bill Murray first shows up and Phil Connors and, like, you just, you know, like, just do the first scene. But, like, especially if you're filming anything out of order, like, okay, this is, you're, you're about, you're a day three, 397 into the time loop and you're doing this and Bill Murray having to keep track of all these different versions of himself he's playing. Well, not really. Actually, if anything, he's the one character who's actually evolving. Uh, but, yeah, man, just, yeah from a production perspective and from an acting perspective. I would imagine this movie yeah. must have been kind of chaotic to put together and, like, not knowing how this is going to work until you've got all the footage in the editing room and seeing whether or not Bill Murray's arc throughout the film, which is the thing that literally stitches the whole thing together, makes sense, especially for yeah. a performance that was filmed in bits and pieces and not chronologically. But, yeah, it hangs together magnificently. Like, yeah, this, this movie's a small miracle. And yeah, that's yeah good. I can't imagine editing was it's simple. That's the thing too, and there's a ton of like deleted scenes and stuff like that, and the things, yeah, just, just and still making it so everything's clear for everybody and still entertaining too, because like there's just a basic uh, narrative problem of like how legible is what's happening in this movie to the audience versus also it's still still got to be entertaining and emotionally track with Bill Murray's character development. And, yeah, they hit all three of those uh, the, uh, perfectly. Like like it's yeah, it's the more you kind of think about how this movie had to have been constructed the more interesting it is but just even on the surface yeah it's still just a it's a funny movie i like i like when he blows up with the groundhog uh and i guess uh, people on the internet have pointed out when uh, the truck flips over it explodes that no longer has a drive chain on it so it's just like an empty chassis of a of a, of a truck that's exploding oh oh no. no if that's the worst thing they fucked up in this movie then hey fucking fantastic so 
Yeah. Yeah. So what are we doing next? Heck yeah. I'm fucking, I don't know. <laughs> Shoulder track. Yeah, you've got a uh, show next week, so you don't have, you're going to have to find something short. And so, yeah. Oh, you know what? I forgot. We're recording over Discord, and I could have made a note saying, hey, everybody. Because Jonathan uh, Mitchell was all like, hey, if you put out a note on Discord saying we're recording right now, you could actually interact with people on Discord while we're chatting, but we didn't do that. But maybe yeah. we'll put a note in the Discord saying, hey. You would get so distracted, Bill. Oh, no. It's, that's I would not be allowed on the computer. I can, I can <laughs> barely not be distracted while we're... Like, you look at me just even watching the movie while recording. That's hard for me to juggle both of those. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, if people have ideas for short things that we could talk about. Um, I, you know what? We should, what's a good commercial you haven't seen? Because as we're recording Ooh. this, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We could talk about commercials. That would be thematically yeah. correct for the day that we're talking about. Um, Perfect. Anyway, we'll figure out something. I'm trying Heck to think yeah, of a good yeah. old cartoon. I'm still... We should just talk about... For half an hour, just talk about Hansel and Gretel. Hansel? Hansel? <laughs> Hansel. Hansel? Oh, I love that cartoon. Hansel. Bugs Bunny, man. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. anyway. Anyway, that was... Uh, we'll talk about Kingdom Hearts Day. 3 next week. We'll just, like, Oof. bitch about... Just, it's, it's, just pure vitriol of this game we're willingly playing and I do feel bad putting hours and hours into. The people follow both of us on Twitter just being like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Here? Why are you playing this game? If you hate it this much. <laughs> and We're Disney fans and we're video game fans and like how, how often do you get to play cool, pretty Disney stuff? But then you have to, like, put up with all this other garbage to get to the good stuff in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, my God. Yeah, you were bitching about how, like, great way to open your game, guys, like, 20 minutes of two assholes just playing chess. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Kingdom Hearts, you're killing us. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Did yeah. you get to Twilight Town? Yeah. Did you see the thing where, like, they're showing old cartoons with Sora and Mickey, but it's, like, a Game & Watch card, uh, Game & Watch game? Yeah, you can, you can... Oh, and then I know you can start collecting, but I thought that was really clever. Because if you're going to, mm. like, show what the equivalent of an old black-and-white Mickey Mouse cartoon is to the Kingdom Hearts universe, making it an old video game like that, I thought that was kind of actually... I, like, that was one of the things where I was like, okay, this is actually way cleverer than no, this No, I game mean, there's, there's, there's... Kingdom Hearts is uh, a game that should be amazing, but Squaresoft just keeps kicking themselves in their own testicles. Man... If they could just put out, like, a special edition of all three games where it's just the Disney parts and no store stuff, that would be... Where you're just exploring those worlds. I mean, Squaresoft won't even put the Final Fantasy characters in it anymore. Uh, that's... I was waiting for that! And, like, yeah. there's... I'm, I am eight hours in the game. I have not seen a single Final Fantasy character. It's just been fucking assholes in black trench coats with anime hair just standing in the I dark. Heard somebody oh. mentioned, like, an NPC mentioned, I haven't seen Cypher in a while, and that's, that's the closest it. it's come. I know everyone's yeah. got, got got a boner for someone named Aqua, who's never even mentioned in the other earlier games yet. So, fuck. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll, we'll have to record a, supple, yeah. a supplemental of us just bitching about Kingdom Hearts. Uh, maybe 3. I'll just cut out this, like, last five minutes of this episode and post it next week as next week's episode. Okay, anyway. Yeah, anyway, that was Groundhog Day. He mowed around on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Turtle Podcast on Twitter. Uh, check out our Twitter to find our Discord so you can join the 
Yeah, I don't know how to tell or... describe this to anyone. Like, there's no disc. Like, you can't just say like at Discord.com. Like, it's not just no. There's there's, no there's a URL link. Oh, there's yeah. a URL link on our Twitter that uh, one of us needs to pin. So it's the first thing people see. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's not bad. Like idea. you did with your bad posts feeding the cat the spaghetti. <laughs> Which I can never change that because I can never find a, another pin pin tweet that would be that applicable to my existence on the internet. But so mm -hmm. yeah, uh, sorry, uh, Rick Dokomomonen. Uh, isn't Dokum isn't the bad guy from Doctor Strange? That name? I don't know. Anyway, so sorry for thinking you were a Murray brother, but you're not. So. How dare you, so. How dare we? So this is the end. We're the, hey, Daniel, I love this podcast so much. We should live here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our end of our stage production of The Groundhog Day, everybody. <laughs> yeah, now lift me over this fence, and then you climb over Actually, I would have to play the Andy McDowell part, because from being Texas, I can do a little more of the South Carolina. What you talking about, Phil? Yeah, watch okay. you eat that donut. So that means I have to lift you over the fence. <laughs> hey, you're the ballet. You're the ballet guy. You should be used to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would be in a tutu. I would look like the hippos in Fantasia. <laughs> <laughs> the crocodiles can do. You can too. Okay. It's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're now we're getting back to Kingdom Hearts talk. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Bill's Bill's got to go make his case or whatever to get ready for the big game. Oh, uh, the big game. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, mm -hmm. trademark. He's good. He's got to watch. Two minutes of people throwing a ball around, and then 18 minutes of commercials for two more minutes of The terrible thing football. is, all I know, I don't even know anything about the game except the Patriots are in it, and fuck the Patriots. I just want to see the Patriots lose. I didn't even know that. Yeah, the Patriots, they keep on scumming their way, and they, they're like Phil Connors, they keep on safe scumming their way into the fucking game. Ah, fuck it, anyway, so let's shout. Okay. Mm. I, I don't have cable anymore, so I can't watch the Puppy Bowl. So it's oh, be sad I didn't think about house. that. Maybe we'll just watch them. Yeah, because I got like, oh, I could watch the the I could watch the 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 game on my computer screen on the on the TV. I could watch the Puppy Bowl. That's not a bad idea, actually. Hey, there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So, yep. Anyway, that's it. We got nothing else. We got no witty way to end this show because we never do. No. Um, I I I just keep my fingers crossed that this day doesn't happen over and over again. Oh. Oh, oh, no. Well, that just means we would have a deeper and more insightful discussion about Groundhog's Day every day. Unless I'm not part That's of true. the time loop, too. So you have to mm. deal with me being equally oblivious every fucking conversation. And, yeah. like, it's bad enough because you know me. I'll forget what I said five minutes later. And then... <laughs> Phil Theobald on Twitter pointed out that we had just watched The Running Man like six months ago and I forgot. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, you're re you're you're a champion, Bill. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and, well, this is for that was still more your topic than mine, but yeah, okay. The That's end. All right. Okay. The end. That's all. See you next time. Keep filling your holes with pop culture. So long, everybody. Love you, everybody. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe.